bringing the world three days and 50 miles closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. Whether walker or crew, veteran or new, join us as we share news and memories from MS Challenge Walk. And then my wife says, that's not a duck, it's a chicken. (laughs) Oh, hello there, I didn't see you. Welcome to MS Challenge Talk, the weekly podcast of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society Greater New England Chapter. My name is Ken Gagney, and like you, I'm here to find a cure for multiple sclerosis by walking three days and 50 miles on Cape Cod this September. This is the seventh weekly episode of MS Challenge Talk, airing on Monday, June 18th, 2012, and available for your consumption at your leisure anytime after 9 a.m. We're a fewer than three months out from the event, and fortunately, we have some great weather in which to be training for that amazing undertaking. The weather cooperated for me this weekend when I went up to Jaffrey, New Hampshire to climb Mount Monadnock, which I hear is one of the most climbed mountains in the entire world. It stands just over 3,100 feet, which for me is a good hike. For those of you in Colorado who are climbing the 14ers, not so much. But I enjoyed it. I had a great time going up the White Dot Trail and down the White Cross Trail. Or is it the other way around? I can never remember. It's about a three-hour round trip regardless, and it's a nice hike. What about you? How have you been training lately? Do you go to the gym? Do you get on the treadmill, the elliptical? Do you go outside and bicycle? Do you walk? Do you run? There are so many different ways to train, and if you're looking for one that's right for you, check out the fundraising and training guide that the MS Society makes available to you. It's a free download off their website, and it gives you a variety of schedules that you can stick to to make sure that you're ready come Friday, September 7th, the first day of MS Challenge Walk 2012. Let's get into this week's main features. Usually I speak with Danielle Kemp, but she has been doing such a fantastic job giving us new insights into the event every week that I'm going to give her the week off. Instead, I'm going to play for you some audio that I recorded last month on May 19th when the Waltham Office of the Multiple Sclerosis Society held a Jumpstart Your Fundraising event. We had a variety of speakers that day, one of whom was Jack Enright, the co-chair of the Volunteer Steering Committee behind the event. He spoke about how to launch an effective fundraising campaign through postal letters, which is also my preferred outlet, so I found his speech very relevant. I thought you might as well. So I'm going to play some of that recording, and then we're going to go right into this week's interview. Hang on. The whole idea about any letter campaign, it's great because you can email it, you can send it direct. There's a challenge of timing. Do you do it now? Do you wait? Sometimes people get your letter early and then they put it in the pile of bills and sometimes I've gotten checks even after the challenge walk. But the whole thing is to, what I try to do, I, as Kevin said, I sell real estate so I've got a list of about 400 people on my mailing list. Up until a couple of years ago, I used to just pick and choose certain people that I thought would give me money because they had given money in the past. Then I started saying, well, I'll just do a a whole mailing to everybody, and what a surprise. I got checks from people that I thought would never have given me money. And then what I've been doing every year is trying to figure out new people. My electrician, put him on the list. My plumber, put, oh, the mailman, oh, my doctor, uh, my dentist. All of a sudden, you've got 20 new people. I went a step above last year. I was reading uh, Forbes magazine or one of the magazines, and it had out the top 100 richest people in the country. I said, hmm. So I researched the top 50 richest people in the 
Massachusetts, and I sent them all a letter. <laughs> so, uh, you know, her chambers, and the mistake I made, though, is I, I'm going to do it again this year, but make it direct to each dear Mr. Chambers instead of dear friend. I didn't get any money from them, but the whole theme is if you don't ask, you're never going to know. We have a small team that I'm trying to build up to be like the Lombardi team, but <laughs> we have six, six or seven on our team. Everyone does the letter campaign. One of my teammates who started five years ago sent out the letters, and I was up in Maine on vacation, and she called me and said, um, I, got a ch- I got a really big check. I go, great, $500? No, bigger. $1,000. No bigger. I go, all right, $5,000. No bigger. And I'm like, all right, cut it up. I'm, you know, $20,000 she got from one check from an attorney. Now, here's somebody you can focus on, everybody. Anybody who handles estates, this was an estate attorney that the woman had money that went to different charities every year. The attorney's sister, two years prior, was diagnosed with MS. And he has since retired, unfortunately, so he's not involved anymore. But if you know any, any type of attorney that handles estates, send them a letter. Because you just never know who's going to have that year that they have to give to a, a, a charity. You might only get it the one time, like this woman did. She was all frustrated because the year later she had to work a little harder to make her fifteen hundred. But that was a great year that that you know, summer. We got another nice big check when um, Martin Sheen for the he was on that West Wing. Um, West Wing, you know, and and he actually was on the West Wing show. You know, came out of the closet with his MS. So one of our Walker's daughter wrote a letter to him saying, you know, my mom has MS, and, you know, this was so great to see that, and we do the challenge walk, and he sent $5,000. Mitt Romney is already on my list, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, and he didn't get last year, but I know he was pretty preoccupied. He actually gives to the chapter. Right. Well, like all these events that you guys have been talking about, you have to be creative. You have to try to, as he said, go outside the box to think about who can I send that letter to? And a couple of people on my team say, geez, you know, I can't keep sending to the same people. Like you said, why not? They get the letter, they're either going to throw it in the basket or put it in the pile to write it, write you a check. The biggest problem with three quarters of the people that do the challenge walk are they limit themselves of what they could really be doing because they feel that they're bothering people. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Our goal is to raise as much money as we possibly can to get this thing to a point where we don't have to do it anymore. I've been doing it 11 years. I am so tired. I was ready to give it up last year. I said, all right, I did it the 10th year. He, he got me, he didn't say anything to me, but he got me to go back. And there was this one, I said this at the finish last year. <clears throat> I'm getting choked up already. Um, there was this one kid. I'm 12 years old, and I see him the first day. Oh, I'm like, you all right, buddy? He goes, yeah, I'm all right. And I said, how can I quit doing this when I get a, a kid like that that, you know, is yeah. doing it? So I guess that's all it is. Joining us today on MS Challenge Talk is the one, the only, Heather Hancock. Hi, Heather. Hello. How are you today? 
Good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Now, Heather, you've been doing the MS Challenge Walk on Cape Cod for quite a while now. Yes. And how long has that been? This year will be my 10th year. Oh, my gosh. And the walk is only 11 years old this year. Is that right? Yes. Wow. So what brought you to the MS Challenge Walk back in, say, 2003? Um, I actually signed up because I was um, a new physical therapist, and I had been working with some patients with MS, and also in honor and in memory of my great-grandmother who had MS. Oh, wow. That's rather ironic that you signed up to walk for her, and then uh, you also have MS now, don't you? Yeah. I The first year I walked, I wasn't having any symptoms at all. And then in 2004, I started having my own weird symptoms. And how did those manifest themselves? Um, the first symptoms I had were severe heat intolerance because it was summertime. Um, I also had foot drop. And then I realized that I had sustained clonus in my ankles and knew that that was not normal. Um, so I started making appointments first with my primary care. And did that discourage you from doing the walk further? No, it actually made me want to do the walk more because it took a good two years until I finally got the diagnosis. I wasn't able to walk in 2004 because of symptoms that I was having, but that was the only year that I haven't been able to do the challenge walk since I started. And who joined you on that first year that you did the walk? Was it just by yourself or were you on a team? No, it was just by myself. I went down solo and met up with another young girl right around my age who she had just kind of signed up to join the cause. And we walked together the whole weekend. And it was probably one of the most memorable challenge walks because I did go down by myself and I had the opportunity to talk to so many different people. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think hearing other people's stories and talking to some of the other teams kind of lit that fire in me to come back again and to try to bring my own team at some point. And you did eventually do that, right? You have your own team? Yeah, I do have my own team now. And what are they called? All smiles for 50 miles. (laughs) That's great. How many people are on your team? Um, Last year, we had 10. And this year, I'm not sure yet what the numbers are going to be. I'm trying to recruit a few more. So we'll see. And how do you go about recruiting? Actually, there are some colleagues that I work with who have had the opportunity to kind of learn more about MS because of my most recent flair. And I think the group that I work with is really quite unique. They're very supportive and very understanding and they want to do what they can to help. So I started talking to them more about the walk and gave them the website and told them to look through the challenge videos and read some of the stories. And then I've taken in my photo albums from the walk and shared a bunch of stories. Um, so I think I've got them motivated to do it. They just need to sign up. So this is mostly coworkers, not family per se? Yeah, the ones that will be joining will be more coworkers and friends. However, my Aunt Patty signed her husband and her two daughters up to join the crew this year. Oh, that's wonderful. Will it be their first year on the route? It will be. And what will their role be? I know they're going to be on the three-day crew, but I don't know if they've received any information other than that. So they could be mobile rah-rah, they could be like rest stop number two, you don't know yet? Yeah. Great. So you've had a diagnosis for MS for about eight years now. You've been doing the challenge walk for eight years. How has that manifested itself while on the route? Does the walk get harder every year? In some regards, yes. I think it's become physically more challenging just because of my symptoms. But I think initially, like the years that it was really hot, I had a much harder time because my legs get tighter and weaker. And in the past, I've pushed a lot harder than I probably should to try to walk the whole thing. And then two years ago, 
was the first year that I actually did some of the walk in a wheelchair. So that was a huge change for me. And then last year I did, I don't remember if it was five or 10 miles in the chair, but I was actually able to wheel myself like about half of it on my own. Do you always end up doing the whole 50 miles? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Even in Hurricane Hannah, Ken. (laughs) That is inspiring. Nothing softs you. No, well, you can. I mean, you spend all year educating and advocating and fundraising, and we look forward to the walk and going and, you know, seeing old friends and meeting new ones and trampling across the Cape. What is it you love most about the weekend? I think that's my time to reconnect with people in person and kind of soak up all the the support that gets me through the year. I think it reinstills the hope that there are things going on to try to learn more about MS and learn, you know, what really happens so that they can develop better medications and better diagnosis and better treatment. So it makes you feel like you have this crappy disease, but you're actively doing something to try to help others behind you. And it's a huge celebration. When you say help people behind you, what do you mean? Like, God forbid any of my kids get diagnosed with MS or, you know, younger generations behind us. It'd be nice for them to not have to have to deal with what those of us are actively dealing with now. Because you've demonstrated by the first year that you signed up that you're not just doing this walk for yourself. It's not entirely selfish. No. No, I think, you know, you do the walk for a much bigger cause than you. And the videos and the pictures just don't do it justice for the experience that you get while you're there at the walk. It's just, it's so emotional and there's so many highs and, you know, the the support that you get from all the other people that are there for the same reason is just, it's undescribable. And it's the one weekend that I actually get to feel somewhat normal. I don't feel like the minority for having a, a disease. I, I feel like I'm just like everybody else. Do you put on your orange shirt for the last half mile? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> what are some of your favorite memories from the walk? Any particular surprises or moments that really touched you? Well, this past year, I can't remember the young man's name, but it was the gentleman from New York who was pushing the two men in wheelchairs and hiking with that huge backpack with all those tools. Mm-hmm. That just that blew my mind. And he's a physical therapist, so I get where he's coming from. You know, the cause is much bigger than him. But watching him push those two men for 50 miles was just, that made me want to walk and and push myself in my chair more. (laughs) I think everybody's spirit during Hurricane Hannah was so much fun. You know, no one wanted to be taken off the trail or, you know, taken back to the camps. And there was just so much rain. It just, you had to laugh. Right. And because in the entire history of the challenge walk up until that point, there had not been any rain whatsoever. And then we get hit not just by rain, but by a hurricane. Right. <laughs> Mother Nature works in extremes. Yeah. And we blew bubbles in the rain and, <laughs> you know, just sang songs and tried to make the best out of it. <laughs> it didn't dampen your spirits at all. Oh, no. No, not at all. I'd hate to see how many blisters the med tent had to deal with that day, though. Oh, my God. Seriously. And then I think I think you remember certain teams and and certain individuals. Like I don't think anyone will forget Ralph the hamburger man. Who could? You know, we looked for him at every stop just to get a hug. Oh. <laughs> and then I think the Saturday night programs are always memorable. Just hearing people's stories and again knowing that you're not, you know, you're not going through it alone. 
Now, you spoke at the Saturday Night Ceremony a year or two ago, didn't you? Yes. And how did you get tapped for that? I think it came about um, when I started writing the blogs. Mm-hmm. And I had, I think it was a couple years before that, I had written an article for a physical therapy magazine about being a physical therapist and living with MS. Um, so I already had some stuff written. And then um, Heidi had asked me to speak at the Portsmouth Walk, just kind of brief, like, here we go, before we walked. Have you done the Portsmouth Walk before? Unfortunately, I've only been able to do it a few times because April seems to be my month for flares. Oh, dear. That would be the closest walk for you since you live in New Hampshire, right? Right. Yeah, I've done the Portsmouth one and I've done the Boston one. Yeah, I just did the Boston walk for the first time earlier this year, and it was quite the experience. I mean, I'm accustomed to seeing 600 people on the Cape Cod Rail Trail, but seeing 2,000 people descend on Boston was quite the sight. Yeah. How does All Smiles for 50 Miles meet its fundraising goal? We get together early in the year and try to plan ideas for different fundraisers, and we try to have several larger ones that involve the whole family and pulling in all of our friends and all of our coworkers. And we also throw out ideas for some smaller ones, whether they're individual or, you know, total funds go to the whole team. We also try to mail out letters and send out emails, making phone calls. And then we just, we check in with each other about what we're all doing. And then we're all active in the, the larger fundraising events. Where would you say most of your money comes from? What event is most fruitful? Or what, what solicitation method is most fruitful? Not giving up for one. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. Yeah. I, I mean, if I don't hear back from people, I, I'm sending out emails like on a weekly basis. Um, I think our multifamily yard sales have actually brought in a good number of our funds. The year that I spoke, I mentioned two of my cousins that were seniors at the local high school held a fundraising dance. And they were able to bring in, I think, 1500 from that dance alone. Oh, that's wonderful. And then we also do, like, um, Friday the 13th parties. That sounds morbid. No. <laughs> we, do, we do it every time that there's a Friday the 13th. And, you know, depending on the time of year, we might have a cookout or do, like, brick oven pizzas um, and just ask for, a, like, a $5 donation per family. And I think that way people are more generous in their giving because they're coming, they're hanging out, they're eating, they're socializing, they're hearing more about MS and why we walk and what we do it for. And then they tend to be a little more generous at those types of, of gatherings. So that means you would have already had two of these this year, January and April, right? Right. Wow. So fundraising is a year-long experience for your team. Definitely. You said that you send letters and you send emails. Do you ever give up on a particular individual? Do you ever stop harassing them? No. That must be very discouraging, though. It can be, especially when, you know, I mean, times are tough right now for everybody, but we need the research to continue and and we need the funds to continue. So I think sometimes it is a little discouraging because I look at it as it's, it's not something that's just benefiting me, but it's benefiting all of us that have MS. And then, you know, our families, too, because our families are affected by it. Mm-hmm. But I try to keep harassing people because financial things can change and things change throughout the year. So if they're not able to give, you know, at one part of the year, it doesn't mean that they're not able to give later on. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them, too, you know, it doesn't matter the amount because every little bit gets me closer to that, you know, minimum that I have to fundraise. But it's also 
just more money to go back to the society. Yeah, there was one donor I had who every year would give me $100. And then one year he sent me back a note saying, I'm cutting back on my nonprofit donations. I won't be able to support you this year. And I said, well, those two statements are inconsistent. If you're cutting back, then cut back. Don't eliminate. Give me 10 bucks instead of 100 Right. Yeah, I don't know why he felt the need to just drop me from his list entirely. But I've been persistent and I go back to him every year and I'm waiting for him to get back into a state where he's able to support us at any level. Right. Well, and some of the other things that we've thrown out there this year, especially after talking with Kevin at the walk and and talking about how do we get the teams to kind of collaborate a little bit more, because it really isn't about which team brings in the most money. I think the competition is fun and it's exciting and it makes the walk, it just adds a different spin to it. But it is about the bigger picture. And we've been looking at how do we collaborate with other team members too, just to try to to bring in other funds. And some of the things that we've considered too is involving different organizations in the community because times are tough. But if you look towards like the Masons or the Knights of Columbus or even the local Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and team up with them, often they're willing to at least split, you know, whatever funds they raise. So that's something that we've been exploring as well. Have you ever tried to pursue corporate grants like Walmart might offer? You know, I haven't done that enough. My Aunt Patty gets most of her donations are through corporate grants because of what she does for work. But I have gone on the, the website and looked at the different things that we can apply for. Yeah, I, th- I think many people might be intimidated by the process, and I'm not sure how corporations like that limit their distributions. There might be like one per cause per year or one per neighborhood per year. I'm not, it's something I need to research further as well. You mentioned that you spoke at the walk during the candlelight ceremony. You also mentioned that you've been blogging for the MS Challenge blog. And through all that, people have probably gotten to know you in some capacity. How has it been getting your story out there? Is it Was it hard for you to let people see that side of you? Or has it been a nice way to become a closer part of the community? I think it's it's helped me to move towards acceptance in my own diagnosis and to heal some. Um, and I think it's definitely opened so many doors and, and allowed me to become so much more connected with the society and with, you know, everybody that's a part of it. Do you still work with patients who have MS? No, not so much anymore because I'm working in pediatrics. Fortunately, I've not met a child with MS yet. Yes, that is fortunate. Occasionally, I'll be asked by inpatient or outpatient if I would mind going over and speaking with an adult who's been recently diagnosed. So I'll do that. But, you know, I don't, fortunately, I'm not working with anyone right now. And those adults that you speak with, do they appreciate hearing from someone who's been through what they're about to go through? I think so. But I think it's hard for them too, because I think we're all in some ways similar, but also very different when we hear the diagnosis. And everyone reacts very differently. Most of the time, I think people are really scared and confused. The last woman that I spoke with was not much older than me and, you know, a single young professional in a very high executive job. And she was just, she was terrified, terrified for the diagnosis, terrified about employment issues. But we just, we chatted a little bit and I tried not to really overwhelm her with too much information, but just gave her my email and I gave her, you know, the website of the MS Society and um, gave her a couple of support groups that were closer to her and told her when she was ready that I would really recommend going to the support groups just so that she could start to connect with people. And that's kind of what the challenge walk is. is a, it's a once a year 
meeting of a support group. Right. So two last questions for you. What would you say to someone who's doing the challenge walk and isn't sure they can make it that extra mile? How do you, how do you inspire them to keep going or how do you inspire yourself to keep going? Uh, well, if I'm in my chair, I always offer them a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody take you up on that yet? A few of them have said yeah and then said no. Like I think they feel bad because I'm <laughs> <just> there. <laughs> but I think, you know, the biggest thing is saying thank you, whether they have MS or not. Just the fact that they're there is is huge. And, you know, we try to get them to stretch with us and then walk with us that last mile or, you know, dig deep and see if they can finish it so that they can experience that emotional high of having done something that you never thought you could do, you know, disease or no disease. I don't think anyone ever really thinks they can walk 50 miles. It's not something somebody does for fun. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) (laughs) But gosh, I don't know. I think, you know, just letting them know that, that what they've done is, is unbelievable. And that last mile can last forever, it seems sometimes. But then you, you round that last corner and you start to hear the cheers. And I think we tell them about that, that they just, they need to walk a little more so they can hear the cheers Mm -hmm. or, you know, we'll carry them until the point where they hear the cheers, but then they're going to want to walk. Especially since those cheers are for them. Absolutely. And to someone who's thinking about doing the challenge walk for the first time, but hasn't signed up yet, what would you say to them? I would say take a risk and absolutely do it because it's definitely going to change your life. You will be moved by so many stories and so many people. And it's something that you won't be able to stop talking about. And undoubtedly, hopefully they'll want to come back and bring more people with them. Well, I'm very glad that you're coming back for another walk this fall, Heather, because you are an inspiration. Well, thank you. I wouldn't miss it, though. (laughs) And I I would hate to miss you. So I look forward to seeing you and thank you for speaking with us today. No problem. Thank you. Heather is one of the heroes of MS Challenge Walk that we've all noticed along the trail, and it was fantastic to sit down with her and get her tale. Thank you for your time, Heather. Now, let's take a look at the event calendar for the week of June 18th. We have three different events this week. The first is one that it's probably too late for you to sign up for. Maybe I should have mentioned this last week, but the event is today, June 18th, at 11 a.m. in Pocasset, Massachusetts. It is the Kathy's Crew Inaugural Golf Tournament. It costs $160 per person or $600 per four-person team or foursome which includes a lunch buffet, dinner and awards, and optional raffles and auctions. If you want to get some swings in, maybe you can hear this and you have about an hour or two to rush up there and sign up. Perhaps less stressful, more relaxing is Happy Hour. Who doesn't love Happy Hour? And this one is at the Tavern the Square, that's Central Square, in Cambridge, Massachusetts, on Wednesday, June 20th, 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. 5 p.m., that's the perfect time for those of you who are just getting out of work, especially if you hate your job, because there's a support group for that. It's called Everybody, and they meet at the bar. Pay your $20 admission fee at the Tavern in the Square, and you will benefit Team Hot Wheels, and you will also get access to a 50-50 raffle, prize wheel, raffle prizes, music, free appetizers, and a cash bar. That is happy hour for MS this Wednesday evening in Cambridge. And finally, on Friday through Sunday... For those of you with pets large enough to ride, there is a Trotting Toward a Cure event this weekend in Greenfield, New Hampshire. It's a BYOH event, that is, bring your own horse. There will be camping, trail rides, and more. It's only $25 per person or $40 per couple, and there are plenty more details at the MS Challenge blog event calendar. 
That's at challengeblog.org slash calendar or challengetalk.org slash calendar, whatever floats your boat. Those are all the events we have for this week. We'll be back next week, Monday, June 25th, with another interview. If you haven't figured out the pattern by now, we do air every single Monday from our inaugural episode on May 7th until the final Monday before the Challenge Walk. That's September 3rd. Maybe we'll have some bonus content collected at the event for airing afterward. But until then, you can count on us airing every Monday at challengetalk.org and on iTunes. Comments, questions, concerns, and complaints? Email me, ken at challengetalk.org. I promise I'll care. Talk to you next week. This has been Emma's Challenge Talk. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.challengetalk.org.